Hey, Ryan. Almost ready for the 10 News Pride Parade? Oh yeah, Pamela. I'm just putting the finishing touches on the rainbow tie-dye t-shirts. Wow, those look amazing. Did Pete bring the glitter tiaras? He did, and he's already wearing his. Gosh, I love Pride Month. Me too. I'm Pamela Kirkland. And I'm Ryan Willard. It's Wednesday, June 7th. This is the 10 News. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Here at the 10 News, we're excited to celebrate Pride. Pride Month has a long history. For over 50 years, members of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer community and their allies have taken to the streets to celebrate being who they are. The LGBTQ community is made up of 20 million Americans of all different backgrounds, ages, races, and abilities. Wow! Some folks feel like the LGBTQ community has already won enough battles. After all, laws protect the community from discrimination, gay marriage is legal, and employees can't be fired for being gay. But this year alone, more than 500 laws were proposed in the U.S. to limit the rights of the LGBTQ community, especially trans youth. Are you kidding me? One of the things conservative politicians are targeting is drag, including groups that focus on bringing the fun of drag to kids, like Drag Story Hour. Pamela, you got to sit down with one of the queens from Drag Queen Story Hour, right? That's right. I got the chance to chat with Little Miss Hot Mess, and I had so much fun. Check it out. So I want to introduce the fabulous Little Miss Hot Mess. She's a drag performer, an artist, a beloved figure in the LGBTQ plus community, and she's an author. She's written two children's books. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. And if you're a drag queen and you know it, she's also an incredible advocate for love, acceptance and self-expression. Little Miss Hot Mess, welcome to the 10 News. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to be here. Let's just start. Can you tell me a little bit just about yourself? And of course, how did you get the name? (laughs) Well, let me say that the name was something that I earned a little bit when I was a little bit younger and a little bit messier in my day-to-day life. Although I like to say now that the name Little Miss Hot Mess is less about who I am and more about the ways that I like to kind of shine a mirror onto the world and show everyone what a hot mess our world can be. And, you know, I am a drag queen. I have been doing drag for about 15 years now. Um, I got started in San Francisco and have lived in many cities across the United States and gotten to perform in, in many, many more. Uh, And in my day job, I'm also a professor. So I get to not only read stories to kids as part of Drag Story Hour, but also kind of teach some older kids as well. Which is very cool. You get to be an artist and also a professor at the same time. Exactly. And I think a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with Story Hour at the library. But can you explain what Drag Story Hour is for those who don't know? Drag story hour is kind of just like any other regular story hour that you might go to at a library where, you know, a librarian or a teacher or a volunteer reads books to kids. 
only ours are fabulous drag performers. So we have drag queens, we have drag kings, we have other fabulous beings of many different identities and expressions. And we read books, we sing songs, we do a little dancing. Sometimes we'll do an art project or a craft project or face painting. Um, and it's really just a way to, to celebrate kind of the diversity in children's books and to, to celebrate our love for reading. And drag itself is very much about self-expression. If you had to explain what drag is, what would you, how would you explain it? For me, drag, it's all about imagination and creativity and play. You know, it's kind of getting to do dress up for a living and, and extending it onto the stage and into the library and into the streets. And, you know, in many ways, drag is about sometimes creating a, a separate character or sometimes it's about kind of accentuating aspects of yourself that you don't get to live, you know, in your everyday life. Um, and so we're fabulous. You know, we are glittery. We are sparkly. We have big hair, big shoes. You know, the more sensations and stimulations we can offer, the better. Um, and I would also say that drag you know, drag performers, we have a long history of being involved in our communities. We've always in some ways been leaders and role models, whether that is raising money for causes that we believe in or leading protests and parades and, and standing up for what we believe in. And Drag Story Hour just sounds like something that's just so joyful. Um, uh, yes. What, <laughs> what are some of the positive experiences you think for children in going to something like Drag Story Hour? You know, I always wonder how kids interpret who we are and, and make sense of us. And I think for some kids, you know, we're almost like Disney princesses come to life or we're real life royalty or maybe even superheroes. And, you know, we might not quite be any of those things, but at the end of the day, we're also not so far off. You know, I always like to say the difference between kind of a real queen and a drag queen is that drag queens, we don't rule over people. We are of the people. We, we are part of your communities. And we might not quite have superpowers, but we find ways to, to really let our talents and our skills shine in service of our communities. Um, and so, yeah, for me, you know, as a drag performer, it's just so fun to get to really kind of bounce that energy back and forth between myself and the kids and families that come to story hours because they are just such fun, magical experiences um, and something that, you know, I don't always get to do. It, it's very different to perform, you know, for adults uh, versus getting to, to share that joy and energy with kids. I think we're going to have to start a campaign to get Disney for the next Disney princess. It's going to be Little Miss Hot Mess. Uh, <laughs> from your mouth to the goddess's ears. <laughs> so there are some people who think Drag Story Hour is not for kids. Um, what do you say to those people? And what can be done in places where Drag Story Hour is actually being banned? You know... It's such a shame that some people really are so against drag story hour and against drag in general, because at the end of the day, drag queens, we want people to have a good time. We want people to celebrate themselves, to celebrate the diversity in their communities, to, to really let their inner sparkle shine brightly on the world. And I think some people, unfortunately, are really afraid of that. There's a lot of people 
out there who who want us to kind of stay in our boxes, to not color outside the lines, to maybe be a little bit scared about the world. And, and drag queens, we're all about being bold and fearless and, and really knowing that sometimes, you know, sometimes the best way to change the world is really to start with yourself and to give yourself a little bit of a transformation. And that may or may not involve, you know, a little bit or a lot of bit of glitter. Um, but, but sometimes by, by remaking ourselves, we can start to change the world around us. And so I think that's in some ways what we have to keep doing. We, we, we need more drag. We need more people to try drag. We need more people to support drag um, because drag, it gives us that answer. It gives us that opportunity to think outside the box and to imagine a world that's not only, you know, more fair and more just, but also more fabulous and more fun to live in. So, you know, these days, unfortunately, we do need people to stand up. We need people to reach out to their elected officials. We need people to write letters to the editor of their newspapers. We need people to join us in protests um, and to say, you know, everyone, everyone deserves a seat at the table. Everyone deserves to express themselves creatively and authentically. I love that. And I also love copious amounts of glitter. So I'm all for it. Uh, there can never be enough glitter. Never. Never, never. So the month of June is Pride Month. Um, what does Pride mean to you and how do you like to celebrate? Ooh, For me, I would say Pride is all about being yourself and also celebrating a community of people like you, um, of getting to really to really kind of showcase what makes you special and unique and different and to not feel, not feel sad or, or, you know, like you're somehow off uh, because you're different, but to really, to really celebrate all those things that, that make us special. Would you have any advice for kids who are listening who are maybe a little afraid of, you know, being different. It's it's hard to go out there and do something that you do what seems so naturally. Yeah, it it is and it can feel really hard. And I think it's it's really important to remember that we all have, you know, not only inner value but an inner sparkle that that the world needs to see. You know, we're doing a disservice if we hold back parts of ourselves and don't let the rest of the world know and celebrate that with us. Um, one of the things that I think is so magic about drag is that sometimes it feels a little bit like an armor. You know, sometimes when I'm putting on all of these sequins and painting my face, it's a ritual that lets me step into my power in a new way and to feel like I can really move through the world, you know, literally with my head held higher and my shoulders back and, and also literally a little bit taller when I'm wearing, you know, a pair of high heeled shoes. And I don't think we all need to do that every day to feel that confident, but sometimes knowing that we can be that confident is really an important, an important piece to stepping out into the world and, and letting that light shine every day. I think that's great advice. Finding something that helps give you your confidence, whether it is a fabulous wig or 
a pair of glasses or your favorite book and just going out there and getting it. Yes. Little Miss Hot Mess, thank you so much for spending time with us on The 10 News. Thank you so much. This has been such a treat. Woo! Little Miss Hot Mess is serving the tea and realness. It's more important than ever to celebrate pride and learn about the LGBTQ community. One place LGBTQ rights are especially under attack is Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has passed laws that affect the community, but he's also gone after one of the world's biggest and most powerful corporations, Disney. We asked 10 News correspondent Ryan Nurse to break down what's happening in Florida. Take it away, Ryan. In the past few years, there have been some truly epic battles in the news. There's Biden versus Trump, and also the COVID pandemic versus, well, all of humanity. And there's even Will Smith versus Chris Rock. But as a Florida resident, I personally think no fight has been more shocking than Disney versus DeSantis. Before we get into the details, let me set this up like a proper fight. In this corner, coming to you straight out of the Capitol building in Tallahassee, the man who will battle Donald Trump in the 2024 Republican presidential primary, weighing in at, well, I don't actually know, but as he tells everyone, much less than he weighed a year ago, it's the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. And in this corner, at the ripe old age of 99 years, with over 220,000 employees and weighing in at a total value of $167 billion, it's the biggest entertainment company in the world, the Walt Disney Company. Whew, that was tiring. Oh, okay, so anyway, here's how the fight has gone down so far. Round one. DeSantis threw the first punch in March of 2022, when he signed the Parental Rights in Education Bill. It does not allow lessons about sexual identity or gender identity to be taught in Florida public schools, from kindergarten through the third grade. And it does allow parents to sue any schools that violate that bill. What? From day one, it had many critics who labeled it the Don't Say Gay Bill and angry people from California to Florida started protesting. Despite the protests and pressure from its many LGBTQ employees, Disney stayed silent. When CEO Bob Chapek finally wrote a letter to employees, it basically said Disney didn't want to get involved and become a, quote, political football. Protesters were not satisfied. Governor DeSantis sensed weakness and kept swinging. DeSantis had already won round one. Round two, DeSantis started calling them woke Disney and acting like a cowboy in some old timey Western movie. If Disney wants to pick a fight, they chose the wrong guy. He wrote in a fundraising email. Then he went a step further, signing a bill that removed Walt Disney World's special self-governing district and turning it over to the state of Florida. To which Disney responded, Hi, everybody. It's me, Mickey Mouse. Say, you want to come inside my clubhouse? <laughs> okay, so maybe the Disney company didn't actually say that, 
But they did seem confused by DeSantis' aggression and were basically staggering around the ring, which is why round two went to DeSantis. But in round three, Disney found its footing, or I should say Disney found its lawyers. And fast as Buzz Lightyear, they came up with a strategy. To infinity and beyond. The day before the state of Florida was scheduled to take over the Disney district, the board legally approved a new 30-year development agreement, which basically transferred all the power directly to Disney. And just how long would Disney maintain this power? The agreement said, and I will quote with the proper accent, This declaration shall continue in effect until 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III. So basically, if the grandchildren of the current King of England makes it to the age of 80, this contract would exist for 100 years. Do I even have to say who won round three? In round four, DeSantis was so enraged that he started just flailing wildly. In interviews, he suggested all kinds of possible punishments, like raising Disney's taxes, building a non-Disney theme park nearby, or maybe even a prison right next to Disney World. But while DeSantis was talking smack, Disney went in for the knockout punch. On April 26th of 2023, Disney sued Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, claiming he had waged a targeted campaign of government retaliation. The House of Mouse claimed DeSantis' actions had violated their First Amendment rights. They were basically saying, you can't punish a company for speaking its mind. And you definitely can't just discard our contracts because you don't like us. The court battle will rage on, but round four, goes to Disney. Since then, they have both just kept swinging. DeSantis countersued Disney in state court. Disney, which is Florida's top taxpayer, announced that it would scrap plans to build a $1 billion corporate headquarters that would have employed over 2,000 workers in the state. So after all this fighting, who's the winner? Well, no one's down for the count yet, but Disney definitely has the momentum. The fight has not hurt the House of Mouse financially, while Governor DeSantis appears to be losing political support for the fight. I guess it's no surprise the potential big business donors to his campaign are not excited that DeSantis is going after, like, the biggest business. But in the end, it's hard to pick a winner here. You can make the case that the real loser in this fight is the people of Florida, who will lose tax money, potential jobs, and according to Disney's CEO, as much as $17 billion in future business. If there are winners, maybe it's Disney fans and the forces of inclusion. Case in point, Disney recently announced that they plan to host what they call the world's largest LGBTQ conference. They plan to host it every year. And guess where it will be held? That's right, Walt Disney World right in Governor DeSantis's backyard. Thanks, Ryan Nurse. Do me a favor and keep us posted on what's happening in Florida, and we'll keep an eye on the upcoming presidential race. Welcome to the Trivia Room. Hey, Tessa, can I try trivia? 
Of course you can, Leilani. We're so excited to have you. Hop on up on the trivia throne for today's trivia question. You ready? I am. What is going on here? Trivia on the 10. It's LGBTQ plus Pride Month, and we got to chat with Lil Miss Hot Mess from Drag Queen Story Hour. Drag is the art of dressing as an exaggerated version of a different gender or your own. Drag started long ago. I'm talking thousands of years. In ancient Greece, men performed all the roles of women in Greek plays, and that tradition continued for hundreds of years, including in the plays of one famous writer. But do you know which writer? Is it A, William Shakespeare, B, Dr. Seuss, or C, Jane Austen? Tenors, did you guess it? Leilani, what's your answer? I think I'm gonna go with A, William Shakespeare. The answer is A, Shakespeare. Back when Shakespeare was writing in the late 1500s and early 1600s, women weren't allowed to perform on stage. So all the roles for women were played by men. And the word drag might have even been invented around the same time because the dresses the male actors wore dragged on the stage. Wow, that is really cool. Thanks for having me, Tessa. And a big happy pride to all of my gay friends and my two moms. All right, all right. Let's get this pride parade started. Ah, but first, we got to give 10 new snaps to one of our listeners. But before we do, here's a quick note for the grown-ups. Time for 10 new snaps. Tenor Fan Letter wrote this review of the 10 News. Love it. I love you, host. You guys are really funny with the gasps, lol. When I was on vacation, I got the app because it was a really long drive, and when I found this, I listened to so many. Keep making them. Thanks, Fan Letter. We will keep making them. And thanks for listening to the 10 News. 10 Things You Need to Know drops every Tuesday, and our in-depth reports drop every Wednesday. But if you want some bonus content, you can join the Tenors Club on our website or on Apple Podcasts. The 10 News is a co-production of Small But Mighty Media and Next Chapter Podcasts. The 10 News creative team is reading Samantha Berger's book, Rock What You Got, and includes Tracy Crooks, Pete Musto, Logan DeYoung, and Tessa Flannery. Big thanks to Ryan Nurse for contributing to this episode. Our production director is Jeremiah Tittle, and our executive producers are Donald Albright and show creator Tracy Leeds Kaplan. I'm Ryan Willard. And I'm Pamela Kirkland. Thanks for listening to the 10 News. Now go celebrate Pride. <laughs>